0: Hello, Steph. Hey, it's Luke.
1: Hey, Luke.
0: Question. Halloween 1989. How did you dress up and what did you do?
1: <laughs> I was a California raisin. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was. Yeah, that's the year I was a California raisin. Homemade costume.
0: Was that just like a trash bag?
1: No, this was black tights, white kids, purple fabric sewn like a trash bag with armholes and a head hole elastic at the bottom somehow we made wrinkles and put faces on it
0: that's amazing And there were gloves what did you do for halloween
1: (laughs) i went to a party and then i ditched the costume and went somewhere else
0: just without clothes or
1: well no like i mean i had clothes on i just wasn't a raisin anymore okay Why do I feel like you only ask me these kinds of questions? Because you know you're going to get a ridiculous answer.
0: I mean, you kind of answered your own question there. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to start the show, but thanks for sharing.
1: No problem. My pleasure. We'll see (laughs) you. Bye.
0: From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop. A weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 1, Episode 34, Glam Rock, Baby Talk, and Hip Hop Royalty. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, October 14th, 1989. Well, hello friends, and welcome to Episode 34 of 30 Pop. We're getting closer every day to the end of yet another year and decade, counting our way down to 1990 on the show and 2020 in real life. It never ceases to amaze me how each passing year feels a little shorter than the one before it. But here we are. So let's look back together. 30 years ago this past week, after a pretty significant lull from Hollywood, we had a couple of major film releases. One that I absolutely loved and one that I've actually never seen. The fifth film in the Halloween franchise, The Revenge of Michael Myers, released on Friday the 13th of October. Ironic in that among its many negative reviews was the critique that the series had become practically indistinguishable from the Friday the 13th franchise. The box office agreed, with Halloween 5 becoming the poorest performing film in the whole series. That could also be simply that there was a better movie to spend money on at the theater, though. The John Travolta, Bruce Willis, and Kirstie Alley comedy classic, Look Who's Talking, written and directed by the brilliant and funny Amy Heckerling.
1: It's the most natural thing in the world. No. Yes. Uh, No. What? How could this have happened? I take it this wasn't a planned pregnancy. It's a beautiful, magical experience.
0: St. Jerome's Hospital.
1: John Travolta.
0: Come on, breathe deep, breathe deep. Try to help me just fight. Kirstie Alley. Give me some drugs. Oh, thank you a really lot. Now that is a little more like it. Hey, here's Mr. Hand here. Wow. And Bruce Willis as the voice of Mikey. Help! Help! Put me back in! Put me back in! So you're the one that's been kicking. The one that ate all that spicy food now mikey's mommy needs his help i'm gonna get you the best daddy there is all right i'm on the case too but when you think like this little guy boy i gotta think about getting my own place there's a lot to distract you one of those little furry things over your eyes no no let me grab one come here there we go
1: discover with mikey the wonders of life
0: look, well, listen i got something cold and wet in my shorts down here guys Listen, fellas. The unexpected delights of family. Oh, yeah. She's gone. And the gratifying search. You know, that's breast milk. For the perfect daddy. Mikey does need a father. I just thought of someone perfect for you. You'll love him. Who was that clown? I want you to be my daddy. And I'll tell mommy about it. You really
1: think you're responsible enough to be a father?
0: This is called driving. This ain't so tough. Mikey! Well, I got this driving thing (laughs) knocked. Look who's talking.
1: What a sweetie.
0: You must be thinking the same thing I am. (laughs) Lunch. (laughs) Yeah, right back at you, babe. Mm. I loved this movie so much, and I can't wait to dive deeper on it over the next couple of weeks. But today, we've got other things to talk about. In the sports world, there was a fair amount of excitement as on October 9th, the LA Raiders beat the New York Jets 14-7 live on Monday Night Football in the first NFL game since the 1920s to be coached by a black man. The Raiders recently hired head coach Art Shell, And there was still more excitement a few days later when the NFL was all but upended by the largest player trade in the history of the league, which ultimately involved 18 players and 3 teams. The Dallas Cowboys, the Minnesota Vikings, and the San Diego Chargers. With former Cowboys running back Herschel Walker at the center of it all. I don't really follow football, like, at all. But growing up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and a family of die-hard Cowboys fans, I remember this well. It was a sad day for the Cowboys, even while it led to great success in the early 90s, as Herschel Walker was just such a local hero. In music, there was a new number one album in the country after Paula Abdul's unexpected late appearance at the top last week. The fifth studio album by Glam Metal Rockers, Mick Mars, Nikki Sixx, Tommy Lee, and Vince Neil, known collectively as Motley Crue. The album, Dr. Feelgood, regarded by most as the band's best album and their only album to date to top the Billboard charts. While I've never really understood the appeal, musically or otherwise, to Motley Crue or its respective members... There is some interesting trivia around this particular album. For example, the album's producer, Bob Rock, had each member of the band record their parts separately, as they apparently couldn't be in the same room without acting like they wanted to kill each other. Which is ironic, considering this was the first album they recorded while in pursuit of sobriety and rehabilitation from serious drug and alcohol abuse throughout the 80s. I suppose the success of this album just goes to show, as did everything in the 80s, the rewards of just saying no to drugs. The number one song in the country for the second of a four-week run was the lead single from Janet Jackson's fourth studio album, Rhythm Nation 1814, Miss You Much, which became the longest-running single in the number one spot for all of 1989 and the biggest radio play song of the year throughout the nation. But there was another release this week in 1989 that felt especially worth discussing. The gold-selling second studio album by rapper One Hit Wonder and the clown prince of hip-hop, Biz Marquee. The Biz Never Sleeps, which spawned his one hit. The irritatingly catchy Just a Friend. I had the pleasure of sitting down this past week with an old friend from high school, Brandon Green, to talk about it in a segment we call Truly Horrible Things. Brandon Green. Brandon, welcome to 30 Pop for the first time. Thank you very much. So good to have you. It's really fun to have you kind of here in the studio space. I haven't seen you since high school, which was 20 plus years ago. So we're doing a segment here called Truly Horrible Things brought to us by a company called Truly Horrible Things. Truly Horrible Things makes hilarious card games just like we used to play when we were kids before there were phones and screens everywhere you look. You can check them out at trulyhorriblethings.com. Their games are full of humor and sarcasm, and I really genuinely love the work that they do. But what we do in this segment is look back at things that were so bad that they're kind of good. And the thing I want us to talk about today, Biz is this, I mean, he's totally a one-hit wonder. He has the one song, Just a Friend, that everybody knows. Do you remember this song?
1: I remember this song very, very well. I remember watching MTV. I remember it was debuted on Yo! MTV Raps. Yes. Fab Five Freddy was talking about this amazing MC, and he had this awesome song, and like I didn't understand it because everything before that, like, rap and hip-hop they all looked sleek and with the exception of maybe the fat boys which were right. a total joke to me so i associate with the fat boys and i immediately go okay this is just another joke like this guy's not serious yeah but Fat five Freddy was just like this guy is one of the hottest mcs and you know all in new york and people respect him and i, I was just i didn't under I, remember I was let's see i was 11 years old And Total Latchkey Kid. Yeah. This was when MTV was actually playing videos. Yeah. And then there was also another channel called The Box. The Box. I've talked about The Box before. (laughs) Nobody else ever remembers The Box. And I remember, I didn't know if I liked the song. I just knew that I needed to hear it more, and MTV wasn't playing it anymore. And so I remember like racking up like a $25 bill,
0: I think. Okay, on- so let's explain then. The box is basically a jukebox, there was a the menu that would scroll, and you could call in, and you could see on the screen when someone was calling in and what code they put in for the music video they wanted to watch. Right. It was the first sort of on-demand experience, and it was around music videos. And, and they, so you racked up a bill.
1: I did because they would promote it. You know, it was like ninety-nine cents. Whatever video you want to see next, it's ninety-nine cents. But then, like, there's always that fine print. And then when you have a terrible television, like we all did, like there's no high definition yeah. then, so you didn't see the like. It was illegible, and it was like oh, plus a four ninety-nine processing fee, oh, and then gosh. a two ninety-nine connection fee, <laughs> and so. You, pay, you had to pay money just to make the phone call, and then you requested the 99-cent song, and you played a fee, and then ended up being like $12. Yeah, the and price so, of the album, Yeah, maybe. pretty much. And I remember I had made an allowance, and I was allowed to go get a, a single from Sam Goody Records. Yes, cassette single. Cassette assume, single, yeah. yeah. And it was – I didn't understand it. And, you know, I'm an 11-year-old kid. And I think that I know about music. Yeah. I think I know everything about music at 11 years old. And so I had a, a an uncle who was adopted. And so he was 18 months older than me and basically got whatever he wanted. And mm-hmm. so I remember he bought the album or he got my grandmother to buy him the album. And I listened to the rest of it and I didn't understand it. Like I thought I knew about music, but I didn't understand the concept of... You know, the one-hit wonder. Yeah. Because the rest of that album was just trash.
0: Yeah, I mean, in no world is Biz Marquee a great MC. I, it's like, I, Fab Five, Freddy. they must have been paying to play at that point, too. Because, I mean, we just listened to the song back, and it's terrible. It's lyrically terrible. He has a lisp, so he doesn't sound cool. And singing this hook, this old Motown hook, and just butchering it, start- to finish it's so bad i do love the song for whatever reason i don't know why i think i've just heard it too many times to hate it but like it's not technically remotely a good song
1: no not at all it was i was watching a tv show i think it was the evolution of hip-hop uh, a few weeks ago uh-huh. and they were talking about this specific song and they played it and just listening to the lyrics again it's an annihilation of like the <laughs> english language <Yes. laughs> I feel like he's just making up words.
0: Yeah. Let's talk through some of the lyrics. So just as a storyteller, let's talk about how poor a job Bismarcky did here. So have you ever met a girl that you tried to date, but a year to make love, she wanted you to wait. (laughs) Let me tell you a story of my situation. I was talking to this girl from the U.S. nation. Stop. So right there. Stop right there.
1: That talking to a girl from the U.S. nation. is ridiculous. I can't tell you what exactly I was thinking at 11 years old, but I can tell you what I was thinking two weeks ago when I'm like... (laughs) is this for real? Like somebody actually like pressed this into vinyl yeah. and made it for posterity's sake. Like
0: that. I put his stamp of approval, yeah. on. I mean, give me a break, but you know, it is interesting as a person, you are engaged to a woman who's not from the U S nation. Correct. So maybe this is worth clarifying. So we keep moving. It says, uh, the way that I met her was on tour at a concert. She had long hair and a short mini skirt. I just got on stage, dripping, pouring with sweat, I was walking through the crowd, and guess who I met?
1: Okay, so wait, hold on. Are you on stage or are you in the crowd? What What is happening?
0: I, and he just got on stage, but he's already dripping, yeah. pouring with sweat. <laughs>
1: well, that might be because he was overweight and yeah. nervous about his yeah. lisp.
0: Maybe you shouldn't be on stage, man. Maybe you should be in the gym. Right. I whispered in her ear, come to the picture booth so I can ask you some questions to see if you are a hundred proof. I asked her her name. She said, blah, blah, blah. She had nine ten pants and a very big bra. Okay.
1: Uh, 11-year-old Brandon. (laughs) I mean, listen, I have an incredibly active imagination, and I didn't know what nine ten pants meant, but I understood what big bra meant, and I was just like, ooh, (laughs) he said bra.
0: Yeah, man. Only if you're a Lasky kid do you get to hear (laughs) songs like this. I took a couple of flicks, and she was enthused. I said, how do you like the show? She said I was very amused. I started throwing bass, and she started throwing back mid-range. But when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. Then when I asked, do you have a man, she tried to pretend. She said, no, I only have a friend. Come on, I'm not even going for it. This is what I'm going sing. That's how the lyrics are, are written. Yeah. You, you got what I need, but you say he's just a friend, and you say he's just a friend. Oh, baby. you. I mean, he repeats this over and over and over. I think with that's why no I loved it. Whatsoever. Because it was
1: the easiest hook that you learned it immediately.
0: And you don't have to be able to sing no, to fit right in. That
1: You know what? If anything, this clarified that you do not have to be talented to be in show business. You absolutely
0: <laughs> don't. Yeah, I mean, and to this day, the guy's worth millions because of this one terrible song right. that we all still love. And I'm saying all of this. I'm making fun of it. I actually still love this song. If it comes on the radio, I'm listening to it, even while it sounds terrible. And even while I don't believe this guy can rap to save his life, he doesn't sound good. He's not a good MC. No. Uh, we can keep going. I mean, every verse here is just as bad. So, well,
1: into the next verse, you know, he says, "I so I took Blah Blah's word for it at this time I thought just having a friend couldn't be no crime, because I have friends, and that's a fact, like Agnes, Agatha, Jermaine, and Jack. Okay, first off, obviously, I couldn't just go on the internet and look at lyrics, so I'm like, wait, I thought that he was saying Baba instead of blah blah, and I was like, is somebody's name Baba? Like, that's like what you call your grandma. Yeah. Like, all these crazy things are going through my head.
0: Yeah, I didn't notice that today, either, that he never actually says this girl's name, this mystery woman, yeah forget about that let's go into the story about a girl named blah 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 that adored me so we started talking getting familiar spending a lot of time so we can build up a relationship or some understanding (laughs) where we've totally lost our rhyme pattern here how it's going to be in the future we was planning everything sounded so dandy and sweet i had no idea i was in for a treat after this was established everything was cool the tour was over and she went back to school I called every day to see how she was doing. Every time that I called her, it seemed that something was brewing. I called her on my dime, picked up, and then I called again. I said, yo, who was that? Oh, he's just a friend. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. Just bust this. And then we get back into the very poorly sung chorus. And can we say real quick on the music video? So every time it shows him on the music video, he's sitting at a piano during this chorus, with like a he's like dressed like Liberace or something. Yes, like all the white wig yes. and and just wailing, you know. <laughs> I'm confident he did not actually play the piano. Oh no, obvious no. Verse three. This is where it gets really interesting in our story. So I came to her college on a surprise visit to see my girl that was so exquisite. It was a school day. I knew she was there. The first semester of the school year. I went to a gate to ask where was her dorm. This guy made me fill out a visitor's form. I'm glad this made it into the (laughs) lyric. He told me where it was, and as I was on my way to see my baby doll, I was happy to say, I arrived in front of the dormitory. Yo, could you tell me where is door three? (laughs) They showed me where it was for the moment. I didn't know I was in for such an event. So I came to her room and opened the door. Oh, snap, guess what I saw? A fella tongue-kissing my girl in the mouth. I was so in shock, my heart went down south. So please listen to the message that I say. Don't ever talk to a girl who says she just has a friend. I mean, the, uh, like the whole rhyme scheme went out the window and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Tongue kissing his girl in the mouth, his heart went down south. I mean, this is bad music.
1: It was terrible. And I realize that even more so now. But 11 years old, watching him TV, and like you said, he's in this weird outfit. He's trying to play the piano. It was a complete departure from everything that you know, you typically would see, especially on Yo! MTV Raps. Yeah, because we're in
0: the time of, like, N.W.A. is the new thing, and, like, gangster rap is coming out, and, like, music is getting more and more violent and less and less funny, which is what hip-hop had always been. You know, you had all of, like, the Cool Mo D and L or Cool J battle back, you know, through the early 80s where they're writing this really funny music, sort of dissing on each other and stuff, but then you get this, and it's just so out of the blue
1: yeah i I didn't understand it because so my introduction to hip-hop before seeing fab five freddy praise biz marquee you know is like you said ll cool j mc hammer Mm -hmm. you know i I also wanted a pair what did you call them la la dance la dance pants that was my introduction and so i remember the shift into more of a gangster rap yeah I, mean, I, I wasn't gangster rap. It was to me what I would consider political rap, and it was. Yeah. It made me aware of like, what was going on in the world because I was so insulated in suburbia, and I was like, "Oh, this is real. This really happens." And Ice Tea, you know, is oh, they're yeah. showing videos of actually like you know Compton and you know L.A. and New York City, and you're like, "Whoa, like this is the real world." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this song.
0: I think of Biz Marquee as a poor man's Fresh Prince. Like he was, oh, yeah. what Fresh Prince was doing, I and mean, he had just won the first rap Grammy. He was kind of crushing it with the really fun, funny storytelling rap. Parents Just Don't Understand and Girls of the right. World Are Nothing But Trouble. All of these songs, you know, he's got the Nightmare on My Street, all of that. Biz Marquee was just like, he totally gained the system, man. I mean, the guy made millions on one really, truly, horrible song.
1: And I think he still probably makes quite a bit of money off of one truly horrible song. The royalties, I can't imagine. But the rest of that album, I don't even know who produced the album, but I feel like it was probably done in like 48 hours and it was just thrown out. And somebody was like, oh, we have a radio hit. We have a radio hit. Let's get it out.
0: Yeah. And I want to know like, what's the label that heard Just a Friend and thought, oh, that's the radio single. That's what we lead off with for this guy's career. It's just so, so bad.
1: You know, I feel like he looked at Flavor Flav yeah. and was like, Oh, I wanna be that I, forget Mike D and everybody else Chuck yeah. D and I just wanna be that that funny guy. Yeah. And I think he tried to run with that and I guess he found success with it. But Yeah, I mean kudos
0: to him, man. He gained the system and more well, power to him. You
1: know, way to go, Bismarcky, because you found a way to weasel your way into just about every B level television <laughs> show there was. Anybody who was born after nineteen ninety five now just knows Bismarck Key is the guy that's always on all those like pop-up video or
0: whatever those shows are. Yeah. It's so bad. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for being on. I can't wait to have you back. We've got lots to catch up on and talk about on future episodes. Oh, it's my
1: pleasure. I can't wait to come back. We'll see you.
0: Huge thanks to Brandon for being a part of this episode and for not only his constant support of this show, but his partnership with this network. Brandon has been a patron of Mill U Media Group for over a year now, and I couldn't be more grateful. If you don't know, Patreon is a membership platform where you can partner with me in the work of storytelling and nostalgia dealing for as little as $1 a month in exchange for all kinds of bonus content and behind-the-scenes access as I work to build this company from the ground up. As of this recording, I have 30 patrons, and I'm 30 days away from leaving my 30s behind forever. So I'm campaigning now for 30 new patrons over the next 30 days. If you enjoy this show and believe in the work that I'm doing, or if you just want to peek behind the scenes, would you do me a favor and click the Patreon link in the show notes? For less than the cost of a few cups of coffee per year, you can help me get way closer to the dream I have of making my full-time living telling stories and creating shows that hopefully make this world a little better place to live. Plus, too much coffee isn't good for you anyway. Win-win. To sweeten the pot a little, Anyone who becomes a patron over the course of the next 30 days will receive a public thank you and a personal compliment from me right here on 30 Pop. Friends, whether you become patrons or not, know how much I appreciate you listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this show. If you're in the Houston area, be sure to join me tomorrow night, October 15th at Cafeza for our monthly 30 Pop Trivia Night. I promise you'll love it. I'll be back next week with episode 35 and I hope you'll join me again. Until then please listen to the message that I send. Don't ever talk to a girl who says she just has a friend. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Millieu Media Group, visit millieu.media.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.